Thank you. Okay, good morning. I'm speaking on, on Ecclesiastes, and the regulars here will probably be aware that I like to bring props, and this morning it is no different. And I'm going to start off m- with my prop this morning. I've got this really long rope, courtesy of Stephen Woz. Um, now, I asked for a long rope, and I sure got what I asked for. And as you can see, I'm not very good at looking after ropes, and the whole thing is falling apart in front of me. And it's very long. And this is why I asked for a long rope. Um, you're going to have to use your imaginations with this rope this morning, because actually what I would have really liked to bring was a rope that went on and on and on and was infinitely long. But of course, that wouldn't be possible to actually fit it in the church, would it? In fact, just use your imagination and think how long that rope would be. If you try to fill the universe with a rope and you managed to do it, the entire universe, it's a big place, the universe. If you filled that with a rope, you'd run out of space. If you tried to create an endless rope. So we don't have an endless rope, we have a, a long rope. So use your imaginations. I'm just going to get the remote control. And I must also say that this rope illustration, I've stolen it from a, a famous preacher called Francis Chan. So just to give him credit. So the Bible says, Ecclesiastes 3, that God has actually put eternity in our hearts. We don't want to die, do we? We want to live forever and ever. Imagine a world where when you got a bit old and wrinkly, you turn to your family and you said, guys, I'm really fit as a fiddle, but I'm kind of bored now. This is the end of my life, I'm, you know, bye. Uh, if you could arrange the funeral for a, a few weeks in advance, and, and I'll see you there, but I'll be dead. That's not actually how it works, is it? Even when we get older and older and older, we, we don't want to let go of life. We want to live for eternity. But it's strange, isn't it? Even though that's in our hearts, we're very short-sighted as human beings and as Christians. We, we tend to look about this far in front of us and uh, we don't think about the eternal picture. We just think about maybe what's on TV tonight or maybe we might even think about next week. Now, I want to highlight eternity this morning. So, on the end of the rope here, I don't know if you can see it at the back, I've put a short piece of sticky tape, and that represents our life on earth. That is how long we live for, so we, on earth. So we start here, and when we get to the other end of this green bit, that's our, that's our death. We call it 100 years, to be nice. And then after we die, we've got... A lot more. And it goes on and on and on and on. It doesn't stop. Yet, we sort of, we sort of do this, don't we? We just look, look at this bit and go, oh, this bit's important. Oh. And we, we, we don't think about the future. Um, so Ecclesiastes, as it's been said before by previous preachers on this subject, it's, it's been written probably by Solomon. He was ultra-wise. He was ultra-rich, and he had a bit of time on his hands. He said, I'm going to write a book. I'm going to ponder life. I'm going to think, what, what is life about on earth? And he's, it seems that, what he, as he wrote this book, he's deliberately ignoring eternity. He's looking only 
at this short bit. So let's have a little flavour of the book and see, um, and see what he looks into. So it starts off really exciting, really positive. Utterly meaningless. Everything is meaningless. This is literally the, the opening chapter. What do people gain from their labours on which they toil under the sun? Generations come and generations go, but the whole earth remains forever. That's cheery, isn't it? And it actually doesn't actually get much better. I'll, I'll improve on it, but the book itself, it, this is the tone of book, but you need to look past the sort of the doom and gloom tone and look at the deeper meaning of what he's looking into here. So let's look at another section. So at this point, he's looking at wisdom and folly. And he's basically saying, For the wise, like the fool, will not long be remembered. The days have already come when both have been forgotten. Like the fool, the wise must die too. So he's basically saying, if you're just looking at this bit, so what? So what if you live a wise life or a foolish life? doesn't matter. To be fair, he does later on say that it's better to live a wise life. But in this section, he's like, we die, we die anyway. Um, in a hundred years' time, will anyone be here? No. Nope. We'll all be gone. And if this church exists in a hundred years' time, how much of our hopes, our dreams, our lives, our aspirations, our achievements, will the people in a hundred years know about us? Nothing, I would imagine. Perhaps one of us will have a very interesting grandchild in our lives and will they look at in, into our lives when they do their family tree. But otherwise, we'll be long forgotten. So let's have a look at another section. Ecclesiastes 5. So this is talk, looking at uh, being rich. Whoever loves money never has enough. Isn't that true? Whoever loves wealth is never satisfied with their income. This too is meaningless. And what benefit are they to the owners except to feast their eyes on them? So even if you, he's saying here, he goes on to say, even if you're rich, you still die. And then someone else gets your money. And you don't even know if they're wise or foolish people. So, very broadly, because Ecclesiastes is a bit deeper than this, very broadly, the, the, the conclusion is life on earth, this section, is a chasing after the wind. Of what worth is our 100 years or so on earth? But I do have good news for you. Unless it's escaped your attention, you are in church this morning. And guess what? We believe in eternal life. So I'm now going to expand the picture and look at eternal life. So the Bible actually basically teaches that once you've done your green bit, the life on earth, you've got, you've got two options. You either go to heaven or to hell. It's very simple. Two choices. And I'm going to look at some verses that they're very polarized verses. They're very, well, this is one way or this is another way. So let's look at the first one. So I've deliberately, this is two verses that are read straight after the other, verse 7 and verse 8. I've deliberately put a gap in there to highlight that they're saying two polarized things. So verse 7, to those by persistence in doing good, seek glory, honor, and immortality, he will give eternal life. So that's the eternal life option, the going to heaven option. 
But for those who are self-seeking and who reject the truth and follow evil, there will be wrath and anger. So it's very, very plain from that verse. There are two choices. Uh, I'm just going to freeze that projector and then move forward. So we should have yep, two things. So I've done the same thing with this one. Again, I've tried to divide it so that it's polarized. So the first section, whoever wants to be my disciple, this is Jesus speaking, must deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. So that's a uh, that matches, I've coloured it blue, it matches the blue here. It's something we've got to do. It's, uh, it takes effort. We have to seek after Jesus. And then the red, red section, who wants to save their life or lose it, that very much matches that red section over there. Basically, who wants to do it their way? I want to save my life. I'm not interested in you, Jesus. I'm going my way. And then it finishes, but, finishes, but whoever loses their life, that means not be self-seeking that seeks Jesus. Whoever loses a life for me will find it. What good it would it be for someone to gain the whole world and yet forfeit their soul? And what I need to do is, do is gain some water. <coughs> okay. So... I want to look into what the Bible ta- says in terms of what's valuable to God and what's not valuable to God. So we, again, we, um, just to repeat, we have a polarized situation here. What do we do that's valuable for God? What he wants. And what do we do that's not valuable for God? So let's use Ecclesiastes as a tool for this. So one of the verses I read out from Ecclesiastes was about seeking wisdom. So imagine that it's, it's your time. You've, you've got to the end of the green bit of rope and you've gone to heaven and Jesus will judge us. And you, you say to Jesus, well, during my time on earth, I educated myself. I tried to make myself wise. I didn't just muck around and waste my life. And if that's the only asset that this person brings to heaven, Jesus will say to you, of what value to the kingdom of God is earthly, wi- earthly wisdom. Of what value is that to me? And he will say, away from me, I never knew you. So again, looking at Ecclesiastes, the other one we looked at was riches. Perhaps you go to heaven and, and you get there and you go, oh, I seem to have left my wallet behind. I was going to pay to get in, but yeah, I, d- I don't seem to have it on me. Um, well, I was very rich on earth. And yeah, I worked hard for their riches. I, w- I was a good person on earth. And again, if that was the only asset the person brought to Jesus, it's important to say that's the only asset, um, he'll say, of what good to the kingdom of heaven is you being rich? What did that ever do for me? Away from me. I never knew you. In fact, Ecclesiastes 5, um, 15 says, everybody comes naked from their mother's womb, and as everybody comes they depart. They take nothing from their toil that they can carry with their hands. There's nothing here on earth, materially speaking, that we can take to heaven. We will go empty-handed. So that's so far been quite a heavy message. Um, It's going to get a bit lighter and a bit more positive now. 
I'm going to use a key word here just to put in your minds, and that is other people. Because I'm going to start looking at the positive. Just keep the word other people, phrase other people in your minds. And I just want to highlight what's called the Great Commission. And it's not going to come up on the screen, but as I read it, just think about how this is put together and how actually it's talking about investing in others. Therefore, this is Jesus speaking, and this is actually, um, at this point, he's already died on the cross and then raised back to life. And this is one of the last meetings with his disciples. And he says to his disciples, Therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. Do you see how that's basically all based around people? He doesn't say, go off and build big houses. Go off and have an amazing career. Go and invest in people, teaching them to obey Jesus. Um, a couple of weeks ago, we had a guest speaker here, didn't we? It was Canon Andrew White. And I just want to use him as inspiration. He was a very inspirational speaker, wasn't he? I just want to look at him as a, an inspiration of how it's a good way to live our lives. He basically came up here and he told us his testimony. And he did focus in on the hardest part of his testimony, which was spending time in Baghdad, where he ministered to a church of about 6,500 people. And this was in the face of death, quite literally. He was quite descriptive of that. And he could have said, do you know what, God? I'd really just want to go home and watch some TV. But he didn't. God called him to Baghdad, and he said, yes. Afterwards, I, um, I spoke to him. I said, what did you feel like when, when God said to you, go to Baghdad? And he said, well, he was like, yeah, I want to do that. And he actually said, I don't do fear, which is extraordinary. He was obviously the right man for the job. And more lately, he told me he has, he's had MS for 20 years, but more lately, in the last two years, he's been in a wheelchair. So maybe at that point, he could have said, oh, I'm tired, God. Look, I'm in a wheelchair. Do you know what? I just want to do nothing now. But no, that wasn't his attitude. He's still serving. He's still giving. I'm sure it was a great effort for him to come on that Sunday morning. But he came and he blessed us. He came to us, a people. He didn't come to the building. He came to us, the congregation, to invest in people. So I'm going to describe him as a yes man. God asked him to do something, and he said yes. And he's con it's not just yes once. It's an ongoing yes, God, I will do your will. And referring back to these verses, it's a, it's a proactive thing. It's a seeking thing. When you serve God, it's not a lazy thing. It's a, okay. And quite often it's uncomfortable. Um, I think it's important to point out that that was his calling. And it was high profile. And we're all different. And we may well be called to do something really simple and really hidden. We don't have to do something big and hey in your face. But we just have to say yes to God. And whatever we have to offer, God will take it from us. He'll give it, he will empower and equip us to do whatever is necessary in the kingdom of God. But you might say to me, do you know what? Just standard, normal life is just hard. And I know for some people, 
It can be hard, just day-to-day living. I have a verse for you. This is Jesus speaking. So do not worry about these things, saying, what will we eat, what will we drink, what will we wear? These things dominate the thoughts of the unbelievers. But your heavenly Father knows all your needs. Seek, there's that word again, seek the kingdom of God above all else. And live us righteously, and he will give you everything you need. Now, do you see that the seek comes before God's provision? He calls us to step out. And when we do step out in faith and say, yes, I'll do that for you, that is when very often God will kick in and be right there with us. So we don't have to be a high profile. We can be just who we are. God will equip us and empower us to serve him. I want to be... Eternity is, is a big subject. Um, it's even bigger than life and death itself, I would say. And so I want to be real with you this morning and, and talk about maybe something that's just a little bit raw. And that is, uh, just a few weeks ago, my wife and I, Sharon, we were leading a life group. And we had a a living room full of people, and one of those people attended regularly every, every time we met. And then the last time that they came, they shared, I have this pain, and I've got an urgent consultant's appointment. That person, of course, was Heather, our lovely sister. Just one month and five days after she was in our life group, she went to be with Jesus. And I'm confident that she's with Jesus, because she loved her Lord. <coughs> And the reason I highlight Heather is that life is fragile and life is short. And none of us know that we'll be here next week. We don't know when our time will come. In fact, Ecclesiastes, I think I've got the slide for this. Oh, there we go. Ecclesiastes says, no one knows when that hour will come. A fish are caught in a cruel net, or birds are taken by a snare. So people are trapped by evil timers that fall up to unexpectedly upon them. So what I'm saying is, let's not wait to say yes to Jesus. Because this could be your last chance to say, you know what, God? Yes, I will give my life to you. Yes, Lord, I will give my, my heart to you. Because we don't know what is around the corner. And nor do I, because I've lost my place on the notes. Yes. Um, I watched a YouTube clip, and it was of nurses who, who served people that were dying. It was their last days, like in a hospice situation. And they were interviewed, and they were asked, what, what were people's last comments in the last few days of their lives? And they had various things. And there's two things I want to highlight is life is too short, was a common thing. But of course, referring back to the rope, it's only this bit that's short, which is why this morning I'm talking about investing in the rest of our eternity. The, um, the other comment that came out was people would invest in their retirement. They'd save up for a good pension, but actually when the time came, ill health stole those, those golden years from them. 
And actually, in the, in the autumn years of their life, they were just struggling with their bodies and their, their health. And they didn't get to enjoy retirement. Today is the day to say yes to Christ. Let us not wait until tomorrow or wait until an easier time or wait until we're retired even. Jesus wants all of our lives from the time we find him until the time of our death. He doesn't want just some of it. He doesn't want just Sunday mornings. He wants seven days a week and he wants 100% of our hearts. Ecclesiastes um, ends with a summary. It's actually one of my favorite uh, passages in the Bible. And it sums up like this. Now all has been heard. Here is the conclusion of the matter. Fear God and keep his commandments. For this is the duty of all mankind. For God will bring every deed into judgment, including every hidden thing, whether it good or evil. I just want to remind you of the basic gospel truth. And that is that Jesus, the Son of God, he died on the cross for every single one of us. That whoever trusts in him, gives him his heart, he will save us from our sins. He died on the cross and he, then he, three days later he rose again. And he appeared to approximately 500 people, not just one or two people, there were 500 witnesses saying, yeah, I saw him. He was alive. And then he ascended to heaven. If we put our trust in him, however weak we're feeling, however sinful we're feeling, inferior we're feeling, it doesn't matter. The Bible, Jesus, it's for every single human being on the planet, and including everybody here. And it just requires a giving him of our heart. I'm going to finish off with reading Philippians. Have I got a slide for this one? Yes, I do. This is, um, just to put this in context, uh, this is Paul. And obviously, like a lot of people, he had a previous life to serving Christ. And then he found Christ. And then referring to his previous life, what he invested his time into, um, this bit, if you like, the bit, uh, his short life under the sun, this is what he says about it. But whatever were gains to me, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. What is more, I consider everything a loss because, there's a, because of the surpassing worth of knowing Jesus Christ, my Lord. So he's comparing basically what he had before with knowing Christ. And he's saying, it's, it's rubbish. Uh, I have lost all things. I consider them garbage that I may gain Christ and he be found in me. So when, when we invest in this bit and we throw away our earthly dreams and our earthly hopes and we say, actually, Jesus, I'm putting you as Lord of my life, we find that this bit actually has a disproportional effect on all of this, the rest of our eternity. It is so vital that... Um, we give him everything. I've got a degree in electrical engineering, which seems a very long time ago. I don't care. It's garbage. 
is meaningless in terms of the kingdom of God. Uh, I live in a house which is partly owned by the bank and partly owned by me. I don't care. When I go to heaven, I can't take my house with me. Go, look, God, I've got a nice house. It is of no value. I'm sure there's some people here that drive some very nice cars. Because I drive a really rubbish car in every sense of the word, I'm pleased to say to you guys that even if you drive a good car, it's garbage. <laughs> Absolute rubbish in terms of God and serving him. So I just want to finish off by saying we probably most of us live a comfortable life. It's nice, isn't it? It's nice to live a comfortable life. But let's not make that number one in our lives. We need to make Christ number one in our lives. Because our comfortable lives will come to an end. And in a hundred years, who will care? Someone else will own your house. Someone else will buy it. Let us invest in Jesus Christ and give him all of ourselves because he's worth it. He's absolutely worth it. Not just some of our hearts, everything. Can I ask the band to come back and I will just pray? Do be careful, there's a rope on the stage. Someone left it here. Um, Lord Jesus we recognize that we need to give you everything but actually sometimes that's hard to do in our own strength so we ask Lord that you would actually give us the strength for us to give it to you because it all starts to be in the first place anyway Holy Spirit would you convict us of where we have comfortable lives Holy Spirit would you convict us where we're lukewarm would you come, Holy Lord, and put a fire on our hearts? Put a fire on our hearts, Lord. Make us hungry for you, Lord. We cannot surrender our lives on our own. We actually need your help to do that. And we invite you, Holy Spirit, to help us to live 100% for you. Because we need you. I'm going to actually refer to that picture of the dam. We, want, we need to want the dam to break. We need to want Jesus in our lives. Lord, I pray for that dam. I pray for that dam to break and a releasing of your spirit over ourselves and over our community. Make us hungry for you, Lord. Move in your mighty power in our lives. Amen.